What will you do when they find me? Don't be scared of yourself. Don't be scared of me. Don't be scared of yourself. Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. I will find you. You will ask, what will you do when they find me? Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Uh, You know, I heard somebody say this week, when, I, when somebody asks you how you are, if you don't respond with a three-syllable word, then it is not a genuine feeling. It is a quick, easy answer. So I have actually gone through and started finding three-syllable words to respond to them with every morning. <laughs> oh. To say I'm good is a really quick response. Right? Good, great, fine, okay, all right. All of that. If you think about it, one- and two-syllable words are just these things that we throw out in passing without even thinking. But if you give somebody a three-syllable word, they're like, whoa, wait, what? Hmm. Now you know I'm going to be searching for three-syllable words. <laughs> I, I, he challenged me also. That was interesting. That's a, yeah, that one's interesting. So how are you this week? I am actually spectacular. You know, I was taught, I was... Who, I can't remember who I was talking to. I'm sure it was one of my sponsees. And I, Madam Hell, it might have been you. But I used to be able to come up with a million things in my life that were to, to contradict my I am good if somebody asked me how I was. I could come up with so many things. Well, this happened and my ex did this and my kids did this, and that, 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 right? Yep. I actually have to think nowadays about things not being good. Like, right? I can't just be like, oh, this happened, this happened, this. Like, bad things just don't happen anymore. And I, it's not that they don't, I guess it's not that they don't happen. It's just they don't have the weight. So, like, I'm like, eh, that's no big deal. Keep it moving. Eh, that's no big deal. And so it actually, So, wait. Wait, you mean life hasn't all of a sudden changed and stopped throwing bad things at you? Oh, no. That shit happens all the time. It's just how I, right? It's how I deal with it. I mean, what do I want to do with it? And So just your perception has changed? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because work is, I mean, work's work, right? We, but we both have full-time jobs that, we are, that are demanding and we know shit goes down at them. And it's like things might be frustrated. But like, okay, it, right. happened. it happened. I'm going to keep it moving. I don't know. It's just, it's such an interesting thought. I used to have to look for the good. I'd have to hunt for the good. And there was so little of it. That's what I thought. But now I have to hunt for something to be able to... Be be, bad. Yeah. Right, you got to search for the negative. So I, I can do this two analogies. I love these analogies. I don't know. I'm all of a sudden finding I'm an analogy person, right? <laughs> so starting to find the, finding the good, when you first started doing it, it was like 
Like literally you're creating a new path in your brain, neural pathways. We've yeah. talked about this. Yep. But like, so imagine that as if you're going to a forest and you're chopping down a new path, going through the jungle and you're making a new path, right? When you first do it, there's roots and there's twigs and you got to saw stuff. And then maybe the second time there's still stuff that's popping back up and maybe you got some trees you got to cut down and then maybe you got to build a bridge and like it takes several passes through that brand new path that you've just created before it's an easy trip through it. Yeah. And then it takes several more before you can go through it without ever thinking. It doesn't happen overnight. Not at all. That's what we're doing. We're building new paths, dang it. And it is not freaking easy. Oh, not, a, right? So hard. So hard. But, you know, it took... It, it just took it took a lot of work. It took a lot of self-awareness. Just it took a lot of self-awareness and being able to read myself and know myself intimately, connect my who I am today and who my and my inner child. I was just getting ready to ask how you got to know yourself. I'm so glad you said that. I have to tell you this crazy story. So, before I tell my story, self-awareness and getting to know myself these are two of the most important things for me in my healing process. Would you agree with that? Yes. For you as well, right? Oh, yes, completely. Um, I, in getting to know myself, um, so as a child, I had a pretty rough childhood in my opinion, in my perception. In becoming an adult, I really distanced myself from my childhood. In trying to deal with those traumas, I did the best I could to push that childhood away, right? Put it as far behind me as I possibly could and move on. Never mind the fact that I didn't deal with any of it. Therefore, in pushing those things away, I also pushed away that inner child, right? That inner part of me that needed to be heard and understood and loved. One of the ways that I was able to get to know that inner part of me was to just start randomly writing letters to my inner child, right? So at one meeting, I heard someone say, anytime I am disturbed, there is a problem within me. So if I'm angry, Nobody made me angry. I am angry. I am, the problem is in me. I need to figure out why I am angry, not what they did that made me angry. Why am I angry? And I couldn't, for a long time, I just couldn't figure that out. So anytime I felt any negative emotion that I thought someone else caused, I would sit down and just start writing to this inner part of me that felt these feelings that I didn't know why it felt. For me, that was my inner child. I had pushed it away because of the traumas. I had to write to my inner child. So in my work with CODA, I have become what's called a sponsor. As a sponsor, and I know we've mentioned this before, but for anyone new listening, as a sponsor, my job, my goal, my and it's not a job because I don't have to do this. I'm not paid to do this. Right. We sponsor because we want to share our experience, strength and hope. We want to help people grow. One hundred percent. Yes. As a sponsor, my goal is to 
notice where people need help recognizing themselves and where they need help connecting to themselves. Um, sorry, as a sponsor, sorry, as in CODA, as a sponsor, what I do is people who have not worked the program as long or far as I have, they don't have the experience that I have. They will come to me and say, Hey, will you help me? And then I will work with them to go through the program. Um, that is what a sponsor does. I have a person, a sponsee who I am helping through the 12 steps and in helping her through the codependence anonymous program, I have one of the things I have come to notice is she has lost a connection with her inner child, um, her inner, and it, I say inner child, but it's not necessarily an inner child. It's that inner self. It is that yeah. inner voice. It is that it's me. It's me. It's my gut. It's my instinct. It's my higher power. It is my connection to myself. Um, anyway, she's lost that connection to that inner self. And so what I have had her do, and, and I have had multiple sponsees do this, and we've done this multiple times, so this isn't like a first try or anything, but what I had her do is to sit down and write a letter to her inner child. And there was no real topic, but because this wasn't a first go, this was, I think, maybe our third or fourth time writing, I said, I just, I want it to be about some sort of negative emotion. Whether, right, I, I, whatever that may be, whether it is sadness, guilt, anger from a situation that happened yesterday, tomorrow, in general, whatever, just write to a letter to your inner child about some negative emotion and you're going to share it with me next week. Those were her only instructions. I received that letter this evening. Um, and with her permission, I would like to share that letter with you, Dawn, um, and with our listeners. And I would like to process this letter together in order to help our listeners better understand how to connect with that inner part of them. I would love that. And before you jump into that letter, I would second the approach that like you are have taken with her. Um, I do a very similar and most everybody knows um, Ashley and I started out as sponsor sponsee. I was her sponsee or her sponsor. Um, our relationship has evolved. And so I, ha I do have other sponsees as well. And I take the same approach with them. Um, usually I will, when they struggle, it's write about, write about your childhood, write a letter to your mom, write a letter to your dad, write a letter to yourself, write a letter, you know, journaling is a huge benefit in working this program. Absolutely. Even if you never send those letters, there's just something about taking pen to paper and actually writing these things out one of my sponsees um really struggled with uh writing i had her write to her mom and she struggled and i was like set a timer for 30 minutes and just put your pen to paper and don't think about it and just write it doesn't have to make sense it doesn't have just write she said two hours later she was, the paper was soaked. She had cried. Yep. She just lost herself in this because she took the pressure off of herself. 
90% of the time when someone is struggling, I take away the topic and just say just right. And it is amazing what flows. Yep. It is. It is just pivotal in, in, in the journey. It really is. So I would love to hear this, um, this letter. Um, I'm very, very honored. And I, I don't know who the person is, right? There is confidentiality, um, and anonymity with, um, that. So I don't know who the person is, but I want to thank the person for allowing us to share, um, this letter. Yes. Um, I know it can't be easy allowing it to be put out there, even in the anonymity part of it, but they worked brilliantly on this and, um, it deserves to be celebrated. Yes. So thank you. Okay. So, all right. To read dear child, I know you have been feeling triggered with uncomfortable circumstances. I have been challenging us with by stepping outside our comfort zone the last many months. I want you to know that I am doing this for our well-being, our healing, our personal growth, and for the opportunity for us to have inner peace and form loving relationships with others. You deserve that. You deserve to be at ease, to play, to be curious, wondrous, and you deserve to have friends to share your life with. As you've begun to try chipping away at your walls of defense, I see the fear you have of being abandoned by any new friendships that might happen. I've noticed your anxiety and resistance to chipping away at the wall when I advance towards getting to know people on a deeper level and allowing them to get to know me. I want you to know you're okay. We're okay. It's okay. I will protect you and keep you safe as we chip away at this wall together when you're ready and at your pace. When I see you are having fear, I will slow down and reassess the pace you're needing to go at. I will pause if necessary. I will follow your lead. I'll also be here to encourage you to take healthy risks so that we can work towards maturing and growing through this process together. We no longer have to live in isolation, be disconnected from people outside our immediate circle, stay within our comfort zone and and safe spaces. I've allowed you to become lonely, withdrawn and scared of people. You don't need to hide anymore. You no longer need to shut people out. I'm sorry. I did the best I knew how to at the time. I know better now and will do better now. Please forgive me. As I work through recovery, I'm learning more about why you're so fearful of abandonment. Your parents emotionally abandoned you for as long as you can remember. I've recently learned that I, too, have been abandoning you for a very long time. For many years, I've shut you out and abandoned you with numbing vices. I want you to know that I'm learning. I'm trying and I'm growing. I'm going to reparent you with love, reassurance, guidance, and the emotional support that you've been deserving since the moment you were born. If you fall because you drop your guard too quickly, I will be there to pick you up. 
I cannot promise you there won't be more hurt or disappointment, but I can promise you that you will not be left alone. I will not abandon you in that moment. I'm here with you with new knowledge and better tools. You are safe now. I love you. Love your reparenting adult self. What I just want to say wow. Right? That's the only word that came to mind is wow. And I feel like it doesn't do it justice. What a great, whew, wow. So hmm. the first thing that I noticed, right? And, and I don't know how you want to go through this. We could go through that paragraph by paragraph if you wanted to. Um, well, I think this me, is your sponsee. You are the sponsor and you get to decide that. I just want to say, before I do any critique on that at all, I want to first say that the amount of awareness that I hear from this person to her inner self, sorry, their inner self, um, it is just astounding. It is um, comforting to... Ah, I, the, the words, I'm at a loss just because it's that good, right? I, I mean, the one thing, it's comforting. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to interrupt you and I don't want to do that. So keep going. No, you're good. I didn't, I wasn't sure where I was going. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing you said that I want to reword that I don't think is the right choice of word. I don't think that's the word you meant, but we're not here to critique that letter. What we're here to do is to to talk about it and maybe offer a different perspective or different ways to look at it and maybe an ex yes. an extra layer of depth. Yes. Critique was definitely the wrong word. I couldn't think in the moment of how I wanted to say, because right. I never want to say, Oh, well, this is amazing, but right. that's not, it, it, but means forget everything I just said, listen to what I'm saying now. And that's not the case. This is, and I knew that. I knew that of you because I know how you are. Right. So right. I just wanted to make sure everybody else knew that that's not what we're here to do at all. And I'm a little, I'm a little wrapped up in the pride of being a sponsor right now also, right? Because, again, the connection that I see here, the amount of awareness that I see here is not that of someone who has been doing this for just a few months. Um. It is that of someone who is willing to put their all into something to change their life, even if it's hard as hell. You can't talk to me about being proud as a sponsor. <laughs> Sorry. And I hear that because, whew, okay. Well, so, okay, so I want to start this. Okay, so let's well, talk about this first paragraph. Oh, okay, well, hang so, on. Let me finish my thought because I may, you know what I'm going to say, but maybe somebody else doesn't. <laughs> I do. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, you as my sponsee, that, that's pride because I'm not sitting here as your sponsor anymore. I'm sitting here as your friend. I'm sitting here with a fellow recovering codependent doing a podcast with somebody I could never imagine doing it with anyone else. Thank you. And it makes me really emotional. Like I'm over here struggling with the tears. 
Because well, and I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, Don. Like, hmm. It's so hard, right? It's hard to put this into words yeah. for people who have not experienced this before. And I know you get it because literally, had I not heard your share at that very first random meeting that I attended. Mind you, which was not the work at You Are Worth It meeting for everyone. No, 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 it wasn't. Had I not heard that, I would not have two years in recovery in Codependence Anonymous. I don't, right, I, I, want, I, I feel like I need to make a distinction because of the life that I have. I am not an addict unless you call emotional addiction addiction, which I, I do. Um, I am in emotional sobriety for two years. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I don't slip every now and then and forget and still want to try to control and manipulate and fix people. But two years ago, this past week, actually, I heard you speak in a meeting. I don't, you probably didn't even know I was there realistically, right? Like no. you were sharing at your meeting, just talking. And I was just this random newbie who just popped into the meeting my name probably wasn't even on the video I don't think I shared I don't think I turned my video on but I heard your share and I related and then after I heard the pain and the hurt I also heard I heard the experience and then I heard the strength and then I heard the hope and when I heard those three things put together when you were talking about yourself and I related, it gave me a reason to come back. And that reason to come back gave me another and another. And then very quickly, within a couple of months, you became my sponsor. Um, and here we sit two years later and as a sponsor, I can understand that pride. I can, when I say thank you, that is not a, because it used to be when I said thank you to people. Now when I say thank you to people, this is not an offhanded, it's rolling down my back, whatever, oh, thanks, you're welcome, cool, okay, thanks, yeah, whatever, that's a compliment, throw it away, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is a genuine take that in, because I feel that pride as a sponsor, and to know that someone feels that pride about something that I've done. I don't, I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's get into this letter. Um, okay. Cause I need a minute. So. <laughs> okay. So to talk about this first paragraph here, and I'll just go over the first paragraph again. She talks about feeling triggered by the uncomfortable circumstances uh, in stepping outside their comfort zone for the last few months. And that, She's, she's doing this for their well-being. It is intentional. It is going to create growth. And it is an opportunity for peace. And then reminding herself that she deserves that, uh, deserves to be at ease, to play, to be curious. I, I absolutely love this paragraph. Um, that was a very powerful paragraph. Yes. I believe it touches on... All of the issues that come along with growth, with healing, with recovery. You know, one thing I got out of it, which, and a lot of people will do this, they'll throw words out. They'll throw these words out where, we, you know, we're learning in recovery. 
without that meaning and that, that deeper seated meaning behind them, what she did was she took this all these words and made them into a beautiful picture that you could feel and see at the same time. And it was so, it was so deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really describes what it takes to grow and why I would want to grow. Yeah. Right. Going out, growth requires going outside of that comfort zone. That comfort zone is what I've always known. Um, and even if it's not comfortable, it's still comfortable. <laughs> believe it or not. And you'll <laughs> believe it when you start trying to step out of it. <laughs> yeah. And then also, right, reminding that inner child of why this adult, right, in a way that I can communicate with you why I need to remind you of why I'm doing this. I'm being authentic with myself. I know this is scary. And I am doing this because you deserve it. We deserve it. I deserve it. Anything else you want to say about that first paragraph there, Dawn? I'm, I'm, I wish I could read it. Like, right, I am very much of a hands-on person. Um, I just really enjoy how she, how they, I, I'm, I, you said she, that's the only reason I know it's a she. Um, yeah, you're good. It was like she was telling this child a story, but not in a, a story fake way. But she did it from a very, the choice of words were so loving, but so yes. clear and yeah. intentional, which she used that word in there. There was no yep. room for self-doubt. There was hope in it. There's a, it was intentional with the reason why we're doing this, because we are at a point where we don't have a choice anymore. And I felt like it was a very, because the whole point of this is bringing these disconnected pieces of you back into yourself. And I, uh, what it was, that was such a great paragraph. I agree. I don't know. If, okay. I don't know what we could say to make it, it's kind of, right. It's like, I'm kind of speechless with it because it was just, there was, it was so good. It was so, it was it, very it self-aware. It is. Very good. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the second paragraph, the middle paragraph here is, um, and I stuck it in the chat for you, Don, if you want it. Thank you. As you've begun to try to chip, try chipping away at your wall of defense, I see the fear you have of being abandoned by any new friendships that might happen. I've noticed your anxiety and resistance to chipping away at the wall when I advance towards getting to know people on a deeper level and allowing them to get to know me. I want you to know you're okay. We're okay. It's okay. I will protect you and keep you safe as we chip this wall away together. When you're ready and at your pace. I see your... Oh, when I see you are having fear, I will slow down and reassess the pace you're needing to go at. I will pause if necessary. I will follow your lead. I'll also be here to encourage you to take healthy risks so that we can work towards maturing and growing through this process together. We no longer have to live in isolation. Be disconnected from people outside our, immediately, our immediate circle. 
or stay within our comfort zone and safe spaces. I've allowed you to become lonely, withdrawn, and scared of people. You don't need to hide anymore. You no longer need to shut people out. I'm sorry. I did the best I knew how to do at the time. I know better now and will do better now. Please forgive me. So, um, again, I say I do have my sponsor's full permission to share this. And again, I say I absolutely love the honesty here, the vulnerability, the awareness, and the connection. I love how she points out the negative feelings and the things that the fears, the negativities, and then reassures them. There's no yes. shame in this. There's no, like, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. There isn't. There is no shame in this. There's no negative talk. It's, and there's patience. One of my fav- favorite sentences is probably in this whole thing is when I see you are having fear, I will slow down and reassess the pace you're needing to go at. I will pause if necessary. I will follow your lead. I love that. God, that's, that is a level of patience. It's hard to give yourself that kind of patience. Yes, it is very, very difficult, but needed. Completely. Because there are days that recovery work is just, I can't do it today, right? There's something blocking me, something I can't do it, and I would beat myself up. But I have to be patient with my journey because this is a journey. This isn't one and done. God, I wish you could work the 12 steps and say, okay, I'm done with everything. I'm I'm out. See you guys later. That's it. One and done. I wish. God, I wish. No, I, I don't, because uh-uh. I wouldn't be me if it was. Nope, I don't want it one and done. No, this is the first nope. thing in my life that I don't want one and done, because I love finding new layers of myself, and I feel that's what this person has found. She has found a new layer of herself and given herself the permission to just take this as she needs to take it. I'll yeah. also be here to encourage you to take healthy risks so that we can work towards maturing and growing through this process together. So this does two things here too, right? I love the amount of responsibility that she takes here. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I wish she didn't take quite so much responsibility here. Yeah. We're talking about an inner child. We're talking about an inner self. You remember our conversation about allowing people to do things. Yeah. I didn't allow myself to become lonely or withdrawn or scared. I don't, I, when I allow someone to do something, I am intentionally giving them permission. And I feel like she is taking responsibility that she doesn't have by saying, I've allowed you to become lonely, withdrawn, and scared of people. Right. Um, right. I, I didn't allow that to happen. That happened due to the circumstances of, Life that I had no control over. Things that I had no control over. So I did not allow that. Okay, Um, but, but, and this is a letter to her inner child. So her inner child, no, did not do that. However, if you would look at, and I'm I'm looking at my, this, obviously I'm taking this from looking at myself. I have, I allowed as an adult, and I, that's, years into recovery as well, I allowed myself to remain, to remain lonely, withdrawn, 
and scared of yes. people. So the key difference for me here is two things. So one is she says, she says, I've allowed you to become. And so for me that she is taking responsibility for the inner self becoming or inner child right. becoming that way. And then also the very last sentence of this paragraph, the please forgive me. I know better now and I'll do better. Please forgive me. I like asking for forgiveness to your inner child. In this instance, however, I, to me, I feel a very intense amount of guilt yes. for the loneliness and the withdrawn. And, and I don't believe, I believe that is unearned guilt. Agree. Right? I didn't know any better until this very moment when I'm writing this letter and I see this most likely if I had to give my best guess, right? Therefore, it's unearned guilt. I can't be guilty. I don't need forgiveness no. from myself for not knowing what I didn't know when I didn't know it. Well, first of all, we don't need to ask forgiveness from anyone. No one has to give us their forgiveness. Right. Because how somebody else feels about me is not mine. Well, right. And... In this case, though, talking it, to the inner self yes. or the inner child. I mean, she was a she was a little girl. She did what she had right. She did what she had to do to survive, to right. be able to to, right. to find a level of safety within herself. And the problem with we disconnect, and I know I did this. I disconnected from that little girl. I absolutely. I left that little girl behind. Yeah, remember, I, I started this by saying, right, when my childhood was so traumatic that I had to distance myself from my childhood. Right. And, and right, the past is the past. Put it in the past and just move on. Just leave it in the past as far in the past as it could possibly. And that's what I did. I just gave myself as much distance from my past as I could. And in doing that, I also distanced myself from myself. Uh-huh. Because a part of me is in that past, right? I can't just create distance from it. I have to accept it. I have to acknowledge it. I have to take it in, heal from it, learn what I need to learn from it, and grow. Otherwise, I'm just shoving it down the side. Exactly. And really, there's no side to shove it in. It's just shoving it inside is right. all it is. And, you, I mean, we have to visit the, the past. No matter yes. how ugly, how rough, how whatever – Right. That is, if you don't, it's denial and avoidance, which was last week's podcast. Um, (laughs) And if you don't visit the past, you're also going to lose touch with like that inner child. Right. Which is, I think I'm I'm, I'm thinking again, I'm connecting dots as we talk here also. Right. I'm thinking losing touch with that inner child is what makes us lose awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So again, what I love about this is the same as the first paragraph, the vulnerability and the awareness and just the, like, just the acceptance. Just like when I read this, I just feel this, it's okay. I understand and I love you anyways. And yes, I screwed up, but I'm not going to screw up again. And I'm here. And if I do screw up again, it's okay. I'll be here after that. Exactly. Because now the acceptance of what was what is and what's going to be. Yes. Anything else you want to say about that paragraph? No, I think that's... All right. The last paragraph we've got here. Interested in this last paragraph because I 
picked up on something. And so I don't know if you did or not. So let's go for it. All right. As I work through recovery, I'm learning more about why you're so fearful of abandonment. Your parents emotionally abandoned you for as long as you can remember. I've recently learned that I, too, have been abandoning you for a very long time. For many years, I've shut you out and abandoned you with, nu- and abandoned you with numbing vices. I want you to know that I am learning, I'm trying, and I'm growing. I'm going to reparent you with love, reassurance, guidance, and the emotional support you have been deserving since the moment you were born. If you fall because you drop your guard too quickly, I will be there to pick you up. I cannot promise you there won't be more hurt or disappointment, but I can promise you that you will not be left alone. I will not abandon you in that moment. I am here with you. With new knowledge and better tools, you are safe. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I love the end of this paragraph. Yeah. Um, I love that she is reassuring herself that she is not going to abandon her again. I love that she accepts the responsibility of numbing her, right, abandoning herself with the numbing vices and um, shutting herself out. However, and, and I feel a very large disconnect in this paragraph. Yes. Um, It is like, as soon as she talks about the pain of the abandonment, they're different people again. There was, as I work through recovery, I'm learning more about why you are so fearful of abandonment. And that right there, the disconnect happened. Yes. Right, and then goes on to say your parents. Your parents, parents, not not our parents. Your parents. And And, abandoned you, not us. Not us. Right. Um, I've recently learned that I, too, have been abandoning you for a long time. She didn't abandon herself. No, she's still there. She can't. It's not physically possible for her to abandon herself. Right. What she did was left that crap that that one sentence, your parents emotionally abandoned you for as long as you can remember. That one sentence, that's what she's running from. And you can feel it in the entire paragraph. Yes. I can feel it in the entire. And I get it, right? It is It is really, really difficult to become vulnerable with the fact that I was abandoned by the people who were supposed to love me. When I was a child and I was helpless and I could possibly be abandoned, I was abandoned by the two people who were, according to my views of the world, supposed to be there for me. Right. And knowing that logically, but tying it together emotionally with my inner self is something that I, to this day, am still working on. Like, I still write letters to my inner child about watching my dad sign his parental rights away. I will, I still, like every time I process that event, 
there are new things to process. Mm -hmm. Now, whether those things come from the perception of a six-year-old child, distraught and terrified and upset, or those things come from actuality of what truly reality of what truly took place, I can't say, but that doesn't matter. It feels real to me, so that is what I'm processing. Right. And new things come just about every time I process. And a lot of times it's not that the things are new. It's that I wasn't, had they come six months before when I processed that same scenario, I wouldn't have, it would have been too much. Um, so when I use my own example, for example, the first time I processed my dad signing over his rights, the memory was my mom drove me and my brother there and she told us about it on the way there. And then we got there and I, she locked us in the car and I was banging on windows and yelling and dad looked up and then signed the papers and then mom got in the car laughing and laughed. And the memory stopped there. The second time the memory came in, my brother, who was eight years old at the time, in the second time I processed the memory, he looked up at me and said, why do you even bother? It's not going to make a difference. Um, the third time I processed the memory, my mom got in the car, but she wasn't actually laughing. She was very upset and I don't remember if she was crying or yelling or like an evil laugh, was it? but it wasn't like a ha-ha, this is funny laugh, like the laugh that I remembered the first time. So as I process the same exact event from my six-year-old brain, it changes. And the more I process, the closer and closer the distance between the logical and the emotional become. So... In this first letter, I see where my sponsee has a large gap between the logical of knowing I was abandoned mm -hmm. and the emotional of being able to say I was abandoned. Right. I mean, that one sentence, your, emotion, your parents emotionally abandoned you for as long as you can remember, that alone... It is going to be so much journaling on that one sentence. Right, <laughs> right. The processing of that. <laughs> because, right, that's such a – and we're not – again, we're not criticizing this. I mean, come on. This this thing was freaking amazing. We're talking about two – Oh, it is. Right. We're talking about two sentences. Two. And it's still – even those two sentences are amazing. Right. Like the awareness that it takes to be able to say this from someone who grew up with her parents in her household, it is not like that takes a level of awareness yeah. that a lot of people don't have. It's easy to say I was abandoned ship. My dad went to California when I was 18 months old. I lived in New York. I didn't see him again until I was eight or six. And when I was six, he signed over parental rights. And then when I was 13, my mom went into the mental hospital and abandoned me and I moved in with my dad, right? So it's easy to say those things and know they are fact. And it is not easy to say those things and feel the reality of them, especially when 
again, those things haven't been processed. They have been pushed so far in my past that there is a major distance between the person that they occurred to and me now. Yeah. That distance is what we will continue to work on throughout our sponsee sponsor relationship. And as we write more inner child letters and as we become more aware, we close that distance until one day my letter can say, I know we were abandoned and I know we cannot be abandoned now. That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. One day. My letter will only have those two sentences in it when it talks about a band. That day is not now, but that's what we're working towards. That's, that's our goal in our, in our relationship is for me to help guide her to the point where that distance is not so great. And even if that distance is only one centimeter shorter, that is perfect because progress is perfection. Yep. So I did this. Um, I do a step study on Wednesday nights with um, five. I kind of am the sponsor for these five individuals. And I did this exercise that you and I both have done. And we both had a very similar response to it. Um Basically talking to your inner child, going up to your inner child, you know, closing your eyes and picturing your inner child very detailed sitting down walking up to whatever it is and taking that child and wrapping your arms around that child and telling that child how much you love them how much you mean to them talk to them as you would you would any other child right we aren't we don't we don't hug a child and scream at them and right. We love them and we were supportive. And, and then I had them not leave that child behind, stop hugging them, take that child's hand and bring them along because it's very much of trying to connect the two. And it's, and I tell you that story because there's two individuals I can think of um, specifically that were completely different responses And one, as sitting on the call, watching as an observer, as I'm, you know, I'm walking them through this exercise, the one just starts just immediately breaking down. Like you, like you could see when she wrapped her arms around that child. You could feel it. It was powerful. It was so powerful to watch. Because I could see, like I said, you could see when she put her arms around and it was just like she sunk and she just tears and I mean, she was a mess in a good way. And she loved the exercise. Um, she still talks about that exercise. We still talk about it. That was that powerful good. for her. I have done that exercise in multiple different ways on multiple occasions, sometimes Typically, my inner child is just wherever it is. Right. And I just go to it. Right. Sometimes she's sitting on the floor playing with her dolls. Sometimes she's hiding in the corner angry. Sometimes she's stomping around. Sometimes she's sunbathing. And I just show up wherever she is. Yep. Sometimes I take her with me when I leave because she wants to come with me. 
sometimes she's like, get the hell away. I'm mad. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. I'm leaving. Right. I'll um, be back. But I want you to know I'm here. Just holler when you're ready. Yep. Right. I'll be back. Right. Um, sometimes I have to remind her that just because she wants it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. We can't always get our way. Sometimes I have to discipline kindly and lovingly my inner child. I am reparenting. Exactly. I am reparenting with positivity. Doing this exercise multiple times in multiple different ways, it is very powerful every time. I've had to work it through in different, like my childhood, I blocked a lot of it out. and But I have these like snapshots of it and I can remember certain situations. Um, one of the biggest situations I remember is my dad actually, um, my dad was physically abusive to my mom. And I remember one situation where they were in our downstairs bathroom and my dad was beating my mom's head against the wall and I had to run to my neighbor's house to get them. I was so scared. I was so scared. I was a little, I was, I was, I was probably eight, nine years old. I had to visit there. I had to go to that little girl that was so scared and tell her that there was blame that came, like, what did I do wrong, right? I mean. Every child finds a way to blame themselves, no matter. Listen, I don't care if I am the absolute best parent in the world. I have screwed up and my child has blamed themselves for my mistake. Yep. I promise you that. Yep. If you are sitting there right now listening to this saying, oh, no, not me, you better take a look in the mirror again. Hey, go listen, you. go listen to last week's podcast on denial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Because, yeah, no, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. And children just have this special way of finding a way to blame themselves. Yep. Well, I think because we are superheroes. Yeah. And we're one, like, we're part of us, we're one with our parents. We look at us, we're part of... It's crazy what I thought my parents knew as a child. I thought they were mad. Like, I didn't worry about bills. I didn't worry about jobs. I didn't worry about money. I didn't worry about where food was coming from. I didn't worry about how I was getting to school or where my school clothes were coming. Like, I didn't know as a child, I would say... It's so hard to put an age on with my life when how yeah. old I was when I finally realized even with as hard as I as right as much of a traumatic childhood as I had even with that I did not realize the amount of stress that parents are under maybe it was when I I had my first child maybe that's when it was I don't know but I didn't realize the amount of how the hell am I supposed to know what to do? I guess I'll just wing it. Look how good that turned out. Like, <laughs> it's amazing to see the pedestal. I look back at these kids, these friends of mine who just had these. I had this one friend growing up. I don't, if they ever listen to this, they'll know I'm talking about them. Mom, dad, my friend and her brother, family dog, house, white ticket fence, church every Sunday, Breakfast every morning at the table together, dinner every night at the table together, like everything I craved and did not have as a child, love and physical affection and hugs and dad was there and he laughed and he played games and it was just, they had the perfect home. 
I promise you that if I were to call that friend up right now and say, did your mom make mistakes? Did your dad mistakes? And did you feel as though it was your fault ever? She would say yes, yes, and yes, without a doubt. And they had an amazing home. You know, I did not, I'm, you made the comment about how you realized the whole parenting thing when you had your first. I can't even say that. I still don't know when I, yeah, yeah I don't know when I realized it. Yeah, I don't, because I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't think I realized it then. I was 18 when I had my first, yeah. and I still thought I knew everything. I was probably 49. I'm 52. Because I was going to say I'm 39. I was going to say I'm probably 40, so. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, when I realized, when I realized my parent was a parent was when I started talking. And my, my mom is still living. My dad is not. My mom is. So I have had the beautiful opportunity to actually talk step four through with my mom. Um, from her side of this, like from her perspective with her childhood, that's when I realized my mom was, my mom wasn't just my mom. She was a parent trying to figure this shit out just like I'm tr- I've been trying to figure it out. And it, the reason it took me so long is because I was so wrapped up in me and what was going on with me and my poor me and I was abandoned and I was this and I was that and da 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 and they did this and they did that. Yep. That I never stepped back to look at my parents as people that had no idea. My mom's mom died when she was 14. She has no clue beyond being 14 how to be a mom. She did the best she could with what she knew at that time. Being abandoned herself, but from a completely different perspective. Abandoned is abandoned. It's not about how that person, the other person abandoned you. Right, right. Well, and you know, here's another perspective to that. We always keep talking about our moms. I haven't even begun. I know a lot about my biological dad, and, and I love him. I said he signed his rights away. I moved in with him when, when I was yeah. 13. I think I said that, too, so... It, right, it didn't yes. work, obviously. He couldn't get rid of me that easy. Sorry, Dad, Bob, yeah. <laughs> but I, I have yet to really, even to this day, I have yet to consider even knowing the stories of how he grew up and what he dealt with. I have yet to consider the fact that he doesn't know it. Like, even still, I am Daddy's girl. I have a problem. I call my dad, and he's supposed to know what to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's just supposed to know, even still. Like, I've been in CODA for two years. I've been doing this self-awareness thing and this growing thing, and I've had all of these growth episodes with my mom and, right, all of this awareness with my mom. My stepdad is a major part of my life. And I'll tell you, I know very little, very little of his childhood. Very, very, very little. Your um, your recovery took a huge pivot when you talked to your mom that first time. Yes. And I think if you, for people that are listening, if you have the opportunity, talk to your parents. Ask, ask. Exactly. What was your childhood like? Right. Not from a, uh, a targeting perspective, but what was it like growing up? What was grandpa like? What was grandma like? What, you know, were you guys... 
what you know were did you have money were you right did you were you poor were you what was school like for you were you you know did people pick on you did you have a boyfriend did you I've got one that's not easy okay what's the most traumatic thing that happened to you in your childhood that you're willing to share like could you imagine like if if my kid came up to me and asked that now right destiny is almost 21 if she came up to me and asked me that I would have to consider but I would absolutely be 100% honest with her and I think it would give her a whole new perception of my life that she currently has absolutely no idea about yeah and I think if I were to ask my stepdad or my dad that I have already asked my mom, right? I know the answer to my mom. If I were to ask my dad or my stepdad that, or my brother, or my sister, or my significant other, or anyone that I truly want to know and understand, what is the most traumatic event of your childhood that you are willing to share with me? And when they share that, hear it, take it in, and at least for me with my mother, it helped me create this understanding of where she was versus where she went versus where she is. When there's understanding, there can be compassion and forgiveness. One of the things I did not know about my mom, I mean, I knew this about my mom. She was, she's always been afraid of storms. And I was like, so she would get very anxious and kind of, you know, just really nervous. And she just, she's like, oh, I hate storms. She, she would just say that constantly. And when I actually asked her and I talked to her about, and I've got numerous questions because, you know, me, I like questions. Um, for her, she associates storms with her mom dying because she very vividly remembers when she was young, a tornado going by her house. They stood at the window and could watch the tornado go by their house. And my grandma was really, really sick, but she got out of bed to watch it. And that's all it took for my mom to be afraid of storms. I think words are very important though. It's not that she's afraid of the storms. It's that when the storm comes, she begins to feel the feelings of her mother's death and she cannot handle feeling those feelings, so she panics. Yep. It's not the storm that she's afraid of. It's feeling the feelings of her mother's death that she's afraid of. Because things trigger us. It might not be rational if looking at it from the outside in, but these are things we have learned, we have not, I don't want to say we've learned We've just associated with certain things. And so when it happens, our body responds to it and we, we kind of, and we reassociate it with what was going on in another time when we felt that. Right. But before you had asked her that, Dawn, for how long did you think she was absolutely silly because she was afraid of storms? Well, let's see. We did this less than a year ago. So then. Right. So for... 50 years, you thought that your mom was just silly being yep. scared of storms. And then you had a conversation with her, which allowed you to have understanding. And does when a storm comes and she's like, oh, there's a storm coming. I got to get home. Are you like, oh, it'll be fine, mom. Just wait 10 minutes. Nope. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, be careful. Right. A little understanding. Compassion. All from asking why. 
asking this one question. I will tell you what the question was that brought it up. The question is, were you afraid of storms? And look at the amount of awareness and understanding I got from my asking my mom five words. Yep. What's the most traumatic thing that's happened to you that you want to share? Right? That's like I can imagine now, right? There's certain people that if I go to my stepdad, I love you, daddy. But if I go to him and I ask him that, I have a feeling he's going to be like, nothing. Don't you see how happy I am? Damn it. Leave me alone. Yeah. I have to, right? I have to respect that. Ooh. I have to have understanding for that also. Right. Because until I started recovery work, I would have said nothing. I would have come, right? It would have been, because I didn't know myself. Well, in heck, before I started recovery, I'd have probably said nothing too, but I knew damn well there were things. Oh, I just wasn't sharing it because I ain't going to be that vulnerable with nobody. Nobody. Because then I'm not safe. And unfortunately, fortunately, fortunately, I've realized that I'm safe no matter what I share. Exactly. Well, that spun all over sideways, didn't it? It did, but it was, <laughs> that's the way it goes. I mean, like, right, we, this is kind of us. Well, welcome to the Dawn and Ashley show. You know, right? <laughs> the one thing I wanted to say, I was, we were, I was talking about the um, that inner child work I did in that step study, and we I used the one person who was just. Oh, yeah. There was another person that couldn't do it. She Like, just couldn't at all. She started. And she got to that point of I of think of your of your child of your you know yourself as a child, and walls went up. And she actually, afterwards, everybody went around and talked about what it brought up in them and what they felt. And she's like, I can't talk about this. I'm not ready to talk about this. I can't talk about this. And it was funny because everybody always stays on. We're on you know we're on for a period of time. Getting through five people is you know it takes time. She actually right. just dropped, didn't say a word to anybody, just literally dropped because it got that much for her. So, right. So she just wasn't ready. Right. And she knows now, because we've talked about it, that... That doesn't mean we stop trying. Exactly. We're going to get there. We got to get there. We're going to get there. Right? Right. So the first time I approached my inner child... That little bitch rolled her eyes at me, stomped her foot, and walked away. <laughs> like I'm, and I am not even joking. I did not. I I did not trust adults. Adults were not safe. Right. I was an adult. She had no. My inner child, my inner self, had absolutely no interest in getting to know me, and I was pretty hesitant to get to know her too. But I kept going back, thankfully, and. The more I showed up, the more she showed up. And the more we showed up, the better it got and the easier it got and the easier it got, the better it got. And now she will just pop out. I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden I look in the rear view mirror and I'm like, oh, crap. I guess we got to talk now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> she just shows up out of nowhere some days. You know, I used to very much think my of my childhood as I was, it was completely disconnected. It was almost like it was two lives. I was, it was somebody else's life. And you know, it's like, I look at my childhood now and it's my childhood, right? It's not, there is no disconnect with it at all anymore. It's part of me. It's part of my journey. It's part of who I am today without it. I'm grateful for that time in my life. Yeah. I love every piece of my life because that's who I am today. 
That's why I am who I am today. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think we've said this before too. It's it's an authentic, I am who I am because of what I have gone through. Yep. It is not a, that is not a cocky, like I used to use that statement as a shield against my parents and against my emotions and against facing the shit that happened as a kid. And it's not a shield anymore. It is a genuine, authentic appreciation of learning lessons and skills at such a young age observation of second nature i know how to interact and how to speak to people that other people just can't talk to right there's there's just some people in this world that are really just very difficult to speak to mm-hmm. i'm good at talking to them I'm also good at talking to the people that are really easy to talk to. I'm also good at talking to the people who really just don't care whether you talk to them or not. And that comes from having to find a way to be good at talking to unpredictable people so I was safe. Had I not been through the traumatic shit I went through as a child, I would not have that ability. And I am especially grateful for that ability. That's, uh, wow. Wow. I just tied that all in together. Sorry. That's, that was good. That was good. <laughs> hmm. and, and, and none of this, I want to say that none of this is rehearsed. This is like, it's awakenings to me as it's coming out of my mouth. I don't think about these things before I say them, I swear. <laughs> right, we don't. I, I, we've said this before. Like, this isn't, like, I heard that letter like you asked me, I'm, I'm, let's just be honest. You asked me if I wanted to hear it, read it before we talked about it on. Um, on right. Here. And I said, I, no, let's go with authentic. Let's just go right. right. The more authentic it is, the better. So I heard this the exact same time that you that everybody else did. Now, granted, I got it in the chat so I could actually read it and process it, which did help me a lot. But yes, I heard it for the first time too. And we, that's, I think that, that going into this, this is what we wanted. We just wanted to be able to, it to be a conversation. And I feel like that's what we're doing. And again, I want to thank the person that allowed us to share her journey. Um, yeah, that was amazing. That was the, such an amazing conversation we were able to have tonight because of her. Yes. And this is what we want. So to wrap, you know, to like we always do kind of wrapping this up, right? Please, if you have a short, a, a, a inner child letter you want to share with us and you're okay with us sharing it on the podcast or a letter that you've written to yourself or to someone else and you are okay with us sharing it and, and, and dissecting it and talking about it, please submit those. We will keep you anonymous. We will not have anyone's name in it that will get taken out as well. Um, we promise to keep this stuff, uh, maintain an anonymity, um, but we would love to be able to share your journey. Absolutely. And it helps us. Does. The more I share my journey, the more it helps others, the more my our listeners share their journey, the more it helps us. You know, and just to wrap, I have to tell you this. I had one of my sponsees tell me last night, she sent me a text and she's like, you know, I find the more I work this stuff, the more I think about it. Yep. 
That's it. That was my exact answer. I just said, yep. That which we focus on grows. Exactly. If I focus on trying to find a romantic partner, I can't grow. I focus on this. I focus, right? I have to focus on me and my recovery and it will grow. Well, right. And if I'm out searching for love, I ain't going to find love anyways because it never comes until we stop searching for it. Exactly. And I got to love myself before anyone else can love me. That's just right. If I cannot authentically and genuinely love and trust myself, how can anyone else love and trust me? I know me best. Exactly. All right. Well, All right. with that, yep. thank you, everyone. And yep. Dawn, I hope you have an amazing week. Yep. Everyone else, I hope you have a great week, too. Till next week. Till next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it. I will find you. You will ask, what will you do when you find me? I will find you. Give the answer to your question. What will I do when I find you? I don't have to think, I don't have to prepare myself. When I find you, I don't have to think, I don't have to prepare myself. But I will find you to make things as they were. I will find you